your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to you. What day is today, Ken? Thursday. Thursday. So Thursday. Is this plugged in? I should do that too. That's plugged in. Thursday. All right. Uh, lacrosse talk PM. Ken's like, do I need headphones? And I'm like, you know what? I need headphones. <laughs> Just kind of having a conversation here. Oh yeah, we're gonna. Have it's really a, show. a work in progress here. We're gonna have a show. I uh, I'm still recovering from having to do Mike Hayes' show three days the last three days, uh, not today but the three days prior to that, and just being, uh, getting up at four thirty in the morning, essentially getting up at two in the morning because I can't sleep. I psych myself out. Hey, I gotta go to bed. So gotta, excited about work. I gotta fall asleep so I can be rested, and then it never happens. I psych myself out like that all the time. But yeah, that other voice, Ken Gilliam, he's the Lacrosse Fire Department chief. Did I do that right? Yeah. Uh, it's a little different. The chief, commander in chief. Hmm. Um, if you if you heard uh, the commander in chief was speaking right before the show here, uh, probably not anything we're going to get into at this point. Uh, but um, some of the some of the things that we can talk about and just the fringe stuff. I have fringe ideas, uh, but the, maybe the most important thing, Gilliam, is uh, this new study that says eating one hot dog takes 35 minutes off your life. What do you think? Oh, it does say that, but yeah, I have no comment. But it's plausible. I How guess. many times are you just... I don't want to insult any hot dog manufacturers. <laughs> you don't want to go after big hot dog? No. Okay. But, I can't but even comment on that, right? It's very, it's very, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll go to Quick Trip and I just, like, I need, and then I just get, that's what I get. Not the little one. I get the, I get the big one. And yeah. then I'm just thinking... 35 minutes. Is it worth it? <laughs> Something maybe you should talk to your fire people about. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're grasping here, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, you said you wanted to just do a show. Well, this is just how it is. the random is. show? I'm just going to pick a topic. We're going to talk to I the fire chief. I could just interview chief. you about random subjects today. <laughs> well, that's what we could do. A look inside of Rick Solomon's Well, brain. this is what we do on Fridays with the political science sure. professor. This is something I'll bring up to him, too. Hey, we got to get the political science professor, the expert on, to talk about what? Hot dogs taking 35 yeah. minutes off your life. What's You'll definitely the... have a vantage point on it. I, I don't right. know. I'm not Fire a big chief. hot dog guy. So. I mean, last time, well, two times ago you were in here, we talked about your grilling expertise, and you don't have that either. No, no, it's not my thing. As a fire chief, you know, it's kind of a, the, the audacity that the fire chief doesn't take over the grill at the cookout every day. Um, just but seems if the cook crazy. catches on fire, I know what to do. But Yeah, then, then it's beneficial to have the fire chief there. Um so anyway, so you don't want to talk about hot dogs. Unbelievable. You can't even. <laughs> you said you wanted to just do a show while I throw something at you, and then you no comment me on hot dogs. People because driving into ditches right now. Let's change the subject, <laughs> okay. man. Oh, yeah, let's go there. Let's do that. Um, all right. So, well, I want to just uh, do this. I had the uh, Boundary Waters, Save the Boundary Waters people on the other day, and I, we didn't talk about the fact that the Boundary Waters are closed, the north, the northern uh, you know, Boundary Waters, what is it, Canoe Area fire. Wilderness. Yeah. And it's on fire, so it's closed, and they extended it being closed. And it just got me thinking, and I know, like, this is, this probably, you could just explain it to me, but we live in a woods, kind of. Yep. I mean, and, and it's raining every day until Monday, uh, because I did the weather 18 times the last three days, so I know exactly what the weather is. But it's going to rain every day until Monday, so we don't really have to worry about Hicks and Forest starting on fire. But if Hicks and Forest at some point started on fire, can you explain like 
your role in that and what what would happen if we started a, if a forest or if, if Hickson Forest or a, an outlying area started on fire? Sure. Um, so uh, I have some wildland background, and, and what we call it in our business is the wildland urban interface. It's where heavily wooded areas, you know, butt up against the community. Um, and as you look out in California and northern Minnesota and different areas, it's uh, it's happening more and more frequently uh, with droughts and different things. Um, I've only been here about four years. Uh, not a lot of history of wildfires here, just because our our climate is so wet. I think with all the rain and a lot, of, you know, we've had plenty of rain this year, so not a real high risk for right. us. Um, we we do have grass fires and other things as things get dry. And I think certainly as if we got into a drought over a series of years, it would become a, a higher risk issue. Um, most of the area fire departments have some uh, grass fighting, uh, grass firefighting uh, capabilities with grass rigs and brush trucks and stuff. So uh, somewhat set up, but the DNR would come in heavier over the top of that. That really falls into their wheelhouse and, and they have more of the uh, the wildland firefighters that are involved with these bigger wildfires, but we, we would support them from the municipal side. And, uh, you know, ultimately from a, from a city fire department, it's more about establishing lines where you're definitely going to stop the fire at before it starts burning down blocks of a city. And yeah. Stuff. Neighborhoods. So and just different tactical vantage point. Well, my thought also like you need the DNR or the, what the U S forest service to come in because you still have a city to protect and that's what you guys are here for. So you kind of, I almost got to draw a line, right? Like, you're, right. Yeah, well, they bring so. different tools. They've got, you know, they've got planes and helicopters that drop water on things. Us, us hiking up into a mountain that's on fire, you know, there's right. limited things you can do. So it's just a different, uh, I guess it's a different skill set. And we're kind of in that middle range where we butt up against it, but it's not a, as high of a risk here. Uh, probably more like dry cornfields and things, people shooting fireworks into into uh, things they shouldn't be shooting fireworks into and getting grass fires and things going. That's very common uh, same with, you know, the trains going through and throwing sparks off into fields. Yeah. But uh, normally we get to it and get to put it out pretty early here. Well, do you guys, obviously you must do this, but where where and how do you do this? How do you practice a grass fire? Do you just go, do you wait for somebody well, that We're pretty needs... good at putting fires out. <laughs> right. So it's just, uh, there's a few different ways. You know, you can use water or you... Right, but do, you, do you get to practice it or do you just wait till it happens? Uh, there I, are classes. So, yeah, I mean, I've done wildland firefighting classes back in the younger years when I was still fighting fires. And uh, some of our people have expertise in that. Uh, we've hired people that have uh, worked out in the wildland systems out west. Mm-hmm. So that, that expertise comes home here. And uh, uh, we, we, we have some initial plans. I think if we got overrun, then it would definitely be mutual aid and, and you know, the DNR coming in to help us with something far down the road if, if we're in you know year-long drought or something where right. we start to see that we'd start ramping up on that but, and we and we've seen that in the past the idea that hey like there's there's some grass fires going on and um i'm not talking about woods now i'm talking about grass yeah. you understand w- um, woods and fields are meant to burn i mean it's been happening uh, for millions of years right. depending on your vantage point but uh i think uh, as you look at the urban interfaces it's all about creating line breaks that's what you see a lot of the wildland people doing they're they're bulldozing brakes to keep the fire from hopping, so yeah. we would use you know natural highways and things to do that if it, right. if it got that far fetched. But yeah, I was going to say a, you not just... a high risk. I don't think we're about to burst in the flames here by any means. Right, so. and I, it's I'm, I'm doing a doom and gloom show at this point, but I was kind of interested what the process would be. Would you just go and uh, wet down everyone's backyard that's butted up against Hicks and Forest? Probably forks? a lot of water. We're going to move in water. Yeah. Uh, we've got that capacity, so you, you know you see them in the uh, urban interfaces where they're. The, the, they're clearing brush around homes. They're they're wetting down structures, and really, you know, as as you look out of California, they're they're learning that land mitigation around homes is a a good thing if you just get rid of the the stuff that can burn in proximity to your home, and then they're putting in sprinkler systems and things. So. Yeah, and you're talking to a guy that lives in the woods, so now I gotta yeah. go rake my woods. Thanks a lot, yeah. Ken.
Uh, that's Ken Gilliam. He's the fire chief here in the cross. Uh, I got to get to the news, Brad. Coming up, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you got a question for Fire Chief Ken Gilliam, he's in the studio here, and you can ask him. He he wants to do just the radio talk show, but if you ask him about Big Hot Dog, then he no comments you. So, I mean, throw the questions at him, but he might throw you no comment, even though he, he wants to do the radio show. Um, the... Uh, the, I didn't say I'd be good at it. No, you I didn't. You didn't say it. that. But I was like, you know what? Maybe he'll. No, no, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go after big hot dog. Probably because you, I might have got you. You probably eat hot dogs all the time, and you're like, holy crap! It's like an hour a day I'm losing. <laughs> no, it's really delving into my private life. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's... Yeah, you're not an elected official, so we don't get to delve into your private life. I guess you can try. Um, fire stations. That's always the talk. Uh, how many we, we're going to build down the road in the next, even after you're gone, because the last, uh, I think they're getting worried. We're going to get one done here pretty soon. So we are. Yeah. We're going to get a, if there's a fire we're station, get a almost fire done. station, we're going to have a big celebration. Well, what's no. pretty soon. So, uh, right now, kind of where we're at, we, uh, the bids are in on a remodel of station one to take care of some of the facility issues we've been complaining about there. And it station one station is right down the road, right? Yeah. Fifth, fifth market. the market. Yep. And uh, it's a pretty much an overhaul of the bathrooms and bunk rooms and everything to buy us probably another five to ten years. Or the, the building's still got some other issues, but it it kind of stops the bleeding on on issues that we can well, control. Were you so, able to like? Okay, we know because at one point we were going to build a big police fire combo command center, whatever you wanted to call gone, safety. Yeah, and no. that got was, was it nice to say we're not going to do that, and then at, you can go okay. Well, then what we're going Focus, to do? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that plan had merit. Um, I think that plan had a big ticket on it as well. And uh, Chief Kudron from the police department and I uh, got together and just really looked at strategy of what can we solve now in the immediate future versus do we really want to kick it down the road another five to ten years to, to do something that I think as you look at the economy the last couple of years, it just wasn't sustainable. So uh, we, we looked at smaller bites to, to get some work done because we've got immediate crises with our people working now that we need to resolve and uh, they're in the same boat right now. They need to do a kind of a locker room transition, and they're they're kind of bursting, it seems, for space uh, in in the police station. So uh, we're taking funding that was available and, and kind of narrowing the focus to get some some things done immediately versus waiting another five or six years to take care of business. There's three shop codes. We could just put them all, put you all in the shop and at Kmart, right? Yeah, no, there's Which some. Is, there is a plan. Yeah, there's some vacant property. I think on the fire stations, we've got our we've got our properties identified. Uh, there's still a few public-private partnerships that are uh, potential to happen, like over the Kmart site. Uh, we're still in dialogue there. Uh, what is happening for sure is that remodel of Station One this year at Fit the Market. Uh, we're probably about 70% of the way through schematic design on Station Two, which is dropping down to the University of Wisconsin site there at Lacrosse in Oakland. Uh, we hope to be out for bid on that still in October. Uh, it really depends from there on uh, the the construction supplies and a lot of the delays there. I would assume uh, some point during the winter or early spring of 2022 will be breaking ground, and I'm hoping we'll have that station done by the end of 2022. And then with our current uh, capital plans in place, uh, they're not finalized yet, but it, it looks like uh, the Station 4 up on Gillette Street uh, that uh, became its own story this past year um, we'll be back on track uh, with that into 2022 and 2023. So they're kind of splitting the capital over two years. But that'll take care of both kind of the north northern station, the two northern stations in the city uh, within the next two to three years. And then we've got to look at some strategies on the south side still. So What about just saying, you know, they got that building on the north side of Riverside Park and 
people are opposed to putting a like wedding venue beer garden there. You know, we'll put a fire station there. <laughs> yeah, if you draw a circle around it, I looked at the lacrosse center. You know, I think I would have loved to have, uh, you know, wedged a little fire station in the lacrosse center. Expansion. I mean, I told you, but you draw years a circle ago, around it, and half of it's water, water in Minnesota. Yeah. We don't have responsibility, so yeah. it it just isn't centralized. So we've uh, we've got the locations, uh, the lacrosse and Oakland spots, perfect. Uh, where we're at currently, that that we've got enough property, we're going to go to a two story model. Uh, the city's still got to determine what they're going to do with the old uh, station that's now been deemed historic. But, um, you know, we'll we'll work through that and, and see what becomes. But we've got enough property up there still to get the job done. And um, and then we'll be looking, you know, southward to the to the stations one, three, and five eventually. But if you, you could help the Parks and Rec people out here by saying, you know what, we do actually want to put a fire station in that fish hatchery building <laughs> on the north side. And then the, the people that live just down the road be like, whoa, fire station, fire trucks will be going off. And then when the Parks and Rec people, no, we're going to actually kick the fire department out of there. We're just going to put a nice, quiet little beer garden in How there. How would they not like a fire station? I mean, everybody <laughs> wants a fire station, Rick. So. Yeah, like you want uh, fire sirens blaring and big diesel trucks crashing out of the garages and no i'm just kidding no i think that fish fish hatchery i mean it's right there i can appreciate where the parks department's luring large cruise ships into town it's it's a gateway to the city essentially and you don't want a vacant building sitting there so i I sense there's a a desire of everybody involved to get something going with that thing uh but you know right now they just haven't figured out that plan so they'll they'll have a few more months of dialogue on it something will come along i'm guessing all right i'll cut that out so that you know odegaard here yeah that don't later. don't let me steal odegaard sunday but <laughs> i think um yeah i sat on the periphery of that I, I was at the meetings when it happened but um I, I i appreciate the the uh the neighborhood came out you know with their opinions i think that's what government's about and you know, uh, from the city side, we're going to regroup and see what becomes of it. Yeah, so. and that, this happened to you too, as well, right? Like you the, on the north side, it's number four, right? Correct. Yeah, number four, four is the, the the old building that d- it doesn't work for you anymore, right? Like, what what are the problems that you, and you're still in that building? We are. So. Yeah, it's 81 years old. It's just uh, it's not big enough to get some of our rigs in it. Uh, it's gender equity issues to mold and asbestos and a lot of things that come along with an 80 year old building and a, and a lot of years of deferred maintenance, unfortunately, from a years past and it's just lived its life i think uh there will be hopefully somebody that will want to invest in that to make it become something i've had a i've had a few ideas thrown at us and i'm I'm trying to connect people that can help each other out with this different concepts there but there's really been nothing there we're we're still operating it for at least another two years Mm -hmm. so there's time to dialogue on what's going to become of that that old fire station there still and hopefully somebody will step up and do something cool with it do you, uh, do you just send the rookie fire firefighters there when they when they get hired with the no, department? You send them to no. that one because it's the 81-year-old building? No, or? actually, the one on Monitor, the, the way it worked out with the delays on Station 4, uh, Station 2 on Monitor Street is actually kind of in worse condition. It's, uh, I think, built in 57, but uh, it, it's actually probably not one of the favorite fire stations. It's got similar problems. So but both of them needed to be replaced. I think the task force report said to demolish both of them back in 2018. And um, so, you know, we were able to, to kind of reprioritize and move to that while the north side has some dialogue on what becomes the old station. But we'll get it on track. I think optimistically uh, with the current capital plans, if they're still approved by council, um, we'll start working on station four in 2022. It'll wrap up in 2023 at some point. So really within a three-year span, we're still going to have two, two of our four stations replaced, which is great. So. In 2018, you had a task force. They said to demolish that building. Is yeah, that station two and station when, four. On the north when side. do you think the 
there was a task force before that that had recommended like 28 you know do you have any idea because you might not i got here in 2017 yeah i mean we we were looking at it there were council members and some civil uh, citizens on the uh on that task force um looked at the mapping and the discussion of going from four to five stations and um they they supported a move to five stations and really some direction on the priority of of the old stations what should be replaced first i've been following that since that point and is that something that would be beneficial to do every five years, every decade, or just to have like, hey, let's assess what, and that not just the fire department, I think but the whole just city, yeah, right. I think you know this. The, our the fire department facility needs aren't isolated. You know, you look at the fish hatchery and the libraries, and a lot of the buildings the city owns, city hall. You know, buildings live their life expectancy, and especially if you defer maintenance on them, it it becomes more costly later to fix it. So. Um, sometimes you inherit things that people did 20 or 30 years ago when they, they band-aided it versus fixing things right. And, uh, you know, a, a later generation picks up that problem. But I, I think, yeah, around the city, you know, certainly talking with Mayor Reynolds, he's, he's looking at all of our facilities and we're having some discussions about where can we, where can we solve multiple problems at one time and, and get smart with the buildings that we are able to, you know, get funded to get done. The, the deferred maintenance is interesting because I think we did a little bit of that with the lacrosse center, which is why that bill is so high, partly why that bill is so high. Yep. Even the, the, the native statue in Riverside Park, we deferred maintenance on that thing to the point where it was like, well, it might be better just to give it back to the family who wants it as opposed to spending, you know, twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars up, you know, reinforcing it or whatever you have to do to a, a statue like that. Um, but we won't get your comment on that. No, <laughs> no and I, I think for buildings, if, if, you know, you can build a 20-year building and cost half as much or you can build an 80-year legacy building. If you're going to commit to that 80 to 100-year building, you need to keep it up. You know, you need to commit to what costs come along with that. And there's probably more value in that in civic investment. Um, but you do have to, uh, you do have to keep up the maintenance program. So that's fire chief Ken Gilliam. He's going to be in here for the rest of the hour. If you got questions, 608-785-7914. You can, you can call. He's got his headphones. Reminded me I needed headphones and, uh, <laughs> or text. Uh, Brad's got to do the news. First of all, before that though, Scott's comment. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Gary Podeski did text in. He said it would have cost twenty grand to fix the uh what was it, the Hiawatha statue. If this if that's the bid he got. I think other other council members had bigger numbers, but maybe they weren't as vetted. Um I I, I don't know exactly how much it would have cost just when we talk about uh we did. We defer. What do we call it? Deferred, deferred maintenance. maintenance yeah. Deferred maintenance. I don't know how much of the forty-two million dollar price tag on the lacrosse center was deferred maintenance, but I, I just remember hearing that you know some of the electrical and this and that. Um, they didn't put any solar panels on the roof. I don't think. Nor did they put a garden on the roof. I was all for doing one. Let's utilize the roof space. Yeah. You know, we used to put avocado green appliances in our kitchens back in the day, and now <laughs> that's not as appealing anymore. So you know, you got to update things as you move along. Yeah. Does uh well. Did any of your fire departments have that still have a- actually the, the stations the ones built in the 60s the, the like all the tile work in the bathrooms and the locker rooms it's this lovely like 1970s cafeteria cre- greenish color it's <laughs> it's not appealing it makes me feel bad every time i walk in what there. is it with that avocado green because when i i remember when i was a kid we definitely had a an yeah, oven it was and big a in refrigerator the that was that color it was post 60s i don't know what's going on the, at the end of the 60s the other than i was born and yeah it's i don't know <laughs> what was our parents thinking seemed uh, like a good idea at the time 
Yeah. Uh, all right. That's Ken Gilliam. He's the fire chief here in the city. If you want to get in, 608-785-7914. Um, let's see here. What do I want to talk about? I I don't know. Uh, are we hired up firefighters? Fire. Well, that's you guys are the building inspectors in the city, right? Well, are there others? Yeah. So our our, our sworn firefighters actually do fire and life safety inspections, looking at fire code things. So uh, annually uh, or twice a year, we get into all the businesses and uh, multifamily occupancies to look at fire code issues. So extinguishers, emergency lighting, uh, exit routes, things like that. Beyond that, the city also took our civilian building inspectors who do our, our building permitting and plan reviews. And uh, a little bit before I got here, rolled those into the underneath the fire department's management structure. So they're not firefighters. They're actually, uh, most of them have backgrounds working in the trades as construction people, and they do plumbing, electrical, you know, building permit inspections. But we oversee them and manage that piece of it as well. Okay. It's, it's a make- good tie-in. It's one of those. Does it make it's just another thing the fire chief has to work? Just on another there. thing I'm doing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that and the code enforcement stuff with the city. You know, it's it's moved around a couple of times. Um, so um, we get to do a lot of cool things with uh, you know emergency rescues and a lot of the stuff we do there. Uh, on the other side of uh, my house, we've got our, our permit reviews and everything just down to basic code compliance issues and neighbor complaints on. Things from weeds to you know whatever snow things like that. Oh, you're so, the weed czars too, and the and the shoveling. I czars? supervise the weed czars. Yeah, okay. so I, I don't go out and physically deal with weeds, but um, you know it's it's a lot of things sandwiched into a very small group of people. It's a it's a predominantly complaint driven, and um, you know we we deal with it, and we just basically enforce city ordinance and city codes that uh, our leaders have put in place over the years. So if if I am a renter and my landlord isn't doing a thing to update. You know, whatever. I've got a problem with the the building. Is I don't know what would be an example that maybe you and you do you have an example? Yeah, of a, there's certainly uh, tenants have rights. Um, they can they can call our office and we can help them out, give them a steer on things. Um, a lot of times tenants are leery of calling because they're worried about upsetting their landlord. And you know, predominantly most landlords want to have good relationships with their tenants. Every every once in a while, there's some problems. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times it's in, in the areas of town that are kind of socioeconomically impacted. And, um, you know, we, we, we try to work as advocates, but if, if a tenant calls us with safety concerns, that we're, that's where we step in on the on the life safety issue. Codes. What's a good example of, like, just the safety concern besides, like, well, fire safety? Yeah, I think some of the things I've seen in my time here, it's certainly people living in squalor or where, you know, roofs and ceilings are leaking. And, and, and it's just, like, health and human services issues. We work with the county on a lot of those issues, too. So it's decent living conditions. Uh, certainly, one of the impacts we see in this town is uh, is overcrowding with with student populations. You know, it's a it's a house that's rented out and it's it's suitable for three people, but yep. they've got eight students. You know, subletting out and there's kids there's living four in bunks in one. And stuff. So, there's four and, bunks, and that's in one not bedroom. isolated to lacrosse. You see that all yep. over the country. It's pretty uh, it's pretty common in cities with large college campuses and stuff. So that's where we we try to uh, you know certainly advocate to and and again most of the landlords in the city do a good job. Uh, we're there for the occasion when you know. Things just get out of whack or whatever. Yeah, and I'm thinking like if I'm trying to enter my building and the steps are made of cement but they're all broken, yeah. that might be something you call you up about, right? If if not, first yeah. call your Safety landlord. Yeah. Call your landlord first and be like, hey, but if he's not doing anything about it, then. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of tragic stories where you see, you know, uh, people building apartments inside of apartments and they have like no secondary means of egress. So there's a fire and they're cut off. And I think from our side of it, as firefighters push into those conditions when they are on fire, 
there's walls where there shouldn't be walls and things just don't make sense. And you, we've seen at the far end of it some very uh, tragic and costly firefighter line of duty fatalities too over the decades. So um, we've got strong code enforcement in this city. You know, we're always pushing uh, to to have better code enforcement, but I think we're we're you know ultimately fair and consistent, and ultimately we're just looking out for people's safety. If I have a rip in my screen uh, and bugs are getting in, probably not one that you no, call the fire you department. Fix your screen. Just and put some duct tape yeah, on it, right? No. Shut the door. It's what I had to do to my 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 uh, patio screen. Um, all right. So, but <laughs> but in that in relation to that, the like we were talking over the break, Club Toucan downtown Lacrosse. How does it get to a point where? Um, you have to condemn it. You guys make that decision, and like, what what happened to get to that point where maybe we should have caught this earlier, or what? How does that work? Yeah, and I, I don't know 100 percent of the particulars. They're certainly involved a little bit. We got some complaints. It, it sat uh, vacant for a number of years. Um, some things were brought to our attention. Uh, we sent uh, inspectors over, and it's uh, there were some issues that we found. Um, working with the owners, they, they got evaluations, and, and the cost of repair of the building was like 900% more than the value of the building. So at that point, the, we, we issue what's called a, a, a raise or rehab order, and it's basically going, look, fix your building, invest in it, or we do. the city does have the ability to tear down a structure that's uh, you know inherently dangerous to public safety. Unfortunately, down in the downtown districts, that gets into historic buildings, and, and it's, this, it's this tug of war with with historic preservation versus you know health and human services and life safety issues um and, and really it's down to each individual owner so we're trying to work with heritage preservation and have more dialogues about don't don't let the building sit vacant for 10 years it's okay can we get more aggressive and not ignore these things and work with the property owners to find them the grants and the tax uh, programs and things that help them invest versus you know just ignoring a problem for a decade and then being shocked when the when you know the roof's caving in or whatever's going on with it so well and then just around the corner there the casino bar you yep. we had a big fire there it's was that last summer it feels like a year this ago went, i think it's january it's hard yeah, to it's, it's hard to predict time through a pandemic but um <laughs> yeah, so you know, that, that building's vacant that's a great example so there's a fire in that building um there's some pretty extensive damage to it uh the, the buildings on either side of, have repaired themselves. The, the owner of that building has some decisions to make, um, whether they're going to rehab that building, sell it to somebody who's going to rehab it or whatnot. So um, I'm not sure where that one stands right now, but it, it is currently condemned for human occupancy. And meanwhile, that you know, there's neighboring buildings and there's a city that is trying to you know, uh, keep downtown rocking with you know, everything going on down there. So it's working collaborative, collaboratively with those owners to make sure we're getting those buildings repaired in a timely manner and ultimately getting them back in business. Well, and the, the idea of tearing down a building in downtown La Crosse seems a little crazy because they oh, yeah. all seem connected. Yeah, they're all kind of connected. That's uh, with the Club Toucan when you brought up that, you know, it, it's right next to the library. And uh, structurally, there has to be engineering work done in the library if that building were to come down. So the owners are having to deal with that. We've given them some time extensions because we want it done right, ultimately. I think the same with the casino. We, we've got the ability, as long as uh, property owners are working with us, we've got the ability to work with them and kind of extend things out. Uh, optimally, as long as there's a plan in place and, and the city's uh, seeing progress, you know, we, 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 we want to get the casino back open and into whatever it's going to become. It's, it's a, just a cool, great old building, and I think there's somebody out there that will invest in that and, and get it back to life. We just need to start some GoFundMe's for these buildings. Maybe. Apparently. They probably yeah. have some, I guess. Um, all right, so Eric from Sparta is calling. Eric, you got a question for Fire Chief Ken Gilliam in La Crosse? Oh, here we go. Sorry, Eric. No, he doesn't. Okay. I haven't talked to Eric in a long time. Yeah, I, I for a while there, I just said, mm, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break from Eric. Um, 
All right, so Club Toucan, that's on it. We got that. So when we go back to you, how close was how close was uh, Station Four to being raised? What is it called? Raised? Well, no, we had filed a demolition permit on that one. You know, we were a couple months out from uh, bulldozing it and on you know groundbreaking on a new station. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of timing involved there and some miscommunications. Um, there was a pandemic in 2020, and I don't I don't think a lot of people were you know paying attention to a lot of things outside of that. So we were kind of plugging along with our plans and, you know, and, and kind of the 11th hour, some people that are concerned about old buildings stepped up, uh, dialogues ensued, you know, and, uh, really I'm there to get fire stations built, take care of my people. Uh, there's other people in the community that are there to save old buildings and, uh, you know, we're good. What happened happened. They got a designated historic and we're just regrouping and getting back on track up there with what we've got left to work with. Yeah, this is a conversation we'll try to have tomorrow uh, with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski. But the idea that we, we have public comment sessions for certain things like this, like we're we're going the fire department's plan was to demo station four on the north side and build a new building. How long was that plan kind of out there for public for the public to comment? Uh, well, remember? for public comment, I mean, we, we were moving along, you know, from 2018 through 2020, 2020 into 21. Um, there were d- definitely public meetings where our plans were uh, put into place, uh, you know. So, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of committee meetings. There's council meetings, and people aren't in tune. I, as a department head, we're making these things monthly, and you're putting the public information out there. Um, other people are maybe caught off guard, and they, you know, they don't see it coming. Um, you know, I always encourage people if you if you want to get engaged, follow the council meetings. Uh, the committees are where a lot of the work happens. So if if you want to save old buildings, there are a couple of groups in town that are focused on that. But mm-hmm. you should you should definitely show up at a few of their meetings before just you know showing up at the one where you're upset right. about something. It's the, like getting the, it's like council. You're the ang- final meeting. Yeah, you're angry about the common council and what they decide to do, but you haven't been to a council meeting in four right. years. It's there's a little so disingenuous. Can there's so many PDFs to download? Yeah, I think I it's too hard for people to download all those PDFs. But the when the what is it the Heritage and Preservation Commission? Yeah, the Heritage Preservation Commission. When did they come in and say, "Hey, this is a histo- we're going to try to get this building," or maybe they did uh, it, was, it? Oh, it was back into into 2020 as we started to file permits, and you know it got brought to their awareness, and, and that's that's you know that in a way it's our system in action. It, it got over to our planning department and other departments in the city started seeing our our plans and 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 the permits and everything. And and then essentially, you know, they made their move, and it is what it is. I, I don't hold a grudge by any means. No. They, they've got their priorities. We've got ours. Did, was End there, of the day, we're still going to get a fire station built. Was so. there generally public outcry about it, or was it just an entity and people that back that entity, the Heritage and Preservation Committee? That depends on your perspective. I mean, there was yeah. a petition out there, but there's a lot of people that didn't sign the petition. And right. like, like, I'm kind of what's done is done. I don't want to rehash it. No, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, just talking about the process in general because – I, what what I wonder t- sometimes is if I'm if I'm just a person that lives in s- the city and maybe there's 20 of us, but we don't want you to tear down that building because it's 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 historic. But we're just people, and and then you're going to go. Well, there's only 20 of you or 200 of you. At what point does the number of just regular citizens in the city sway the fire department <laughs> versus? The Heritage and Preservation Committee coming in, you know, with their big, we're the, and not that they're doing that, but like, you know, they're an entity versus, you know, 200 people, a thousand people, the whole town. Like, at what point do we sway the, the sway the vote if the Heritage and Preservation Committee didn't get involved? Yeah, I think ultimately it was the, you know, it's the mayor and the common council who run the city. They're, they're my boss, you know, all of these commissions and committees work underneath them. 
uh, as people want to get involved in government, it seems like everybody's always frustrated with government, but the meetings are pretty empty. Yeah. So it's like tuning into what's going on. I think one of the great things with what happened with COVID is a lot of the stuff went online. So it's a lot easier to at least kind of watch from the comfort of your home and start tuning in uh, versus whatever's on Netflix tonight. But um, I, I think, you know, a lot of those public dialogues happen at the commissions and committees and, and at our JNA and FNP meetings for the council. Um, and, and really those 13 council people, they, they listen to the feedback they get. So if you're frustrated, you know, let them know. If you're happy about something, let them know. I, I think it's probably fair to say our, our council members hear when people are mad, but they don't often hear when people are happy about something. And I, I think I get a lot of complaint calls, but there's, you know, every once in a while you get somebody calling you saying, hey, great job. And you kind of treasure those, but yeah, it's, right. usually, it's usually the negative response. It's probably like working here in wisdom. You hear well, a lot of frustration on that. Oh, no, I only hear good stuff. Um, <laughs> well, and being the fire chief in the fire department, Hey, great job until, you know, like the only time you would hear, like you would never hear that. Hey, but the city hasn't burned down yet. Good job, Ken. You know, but when the, when a building burns down, then it's like, eh, but like, yeah. usually I think usually people are pretty, I don't know. Do you get a lot like, man, you let my building burn down. Like, come no, on, we do Ken. a pretty good job here, man. Right. We've got some great saves. Uh, you know, we got, we got great statistics. About 99.9% of our fires, we, we stopped the fire at the room of origin. When you look at the value of La Crosse fire, we, we've got stats like that that we can hang our hat on. Um, that, that Pearl Street fire with the casino bar, I've seen fires like that burn down city blocks before. So um, fantastic job by all of our personnel and all the people that helped us that night. But that was a great stop. And I think as, as as people question the value of lacrosse fire I, I will say as as a relatively newcomer here it's a great department and we do a great job you know every once in a while something's going to burn down because you're given a, a challenge that's insurmountable but as you look at our statistics we're delivering on what people are paying us to do here and i'm, I'm very proud of that it's all coming back to me now this casino bar it was super cold out because i remember standing in the stupid parking you, yeah. lot <laughs> waiting for you because i don't want to bother you but i also want to be like can I just, I'm here and I night. just want to talk yeah. two seconds to somebody. And then I ended up meeting your son and then we chit chatted and it was great uh, for, for how cold it was outside. But um, all right, that's Fire Chief Ken Gillen. We're going to wrap up when we come back. It would be a better show to do. Maybe I could just, I could have showed you the things that I wanted to do the, with the police. And then you would have been like, yeah, that would be funny. But you don't know the rules. So I'll show you after the show. All right, fair uh, enough. <laughs> Lacrosse Fire Chief Ken Gilliam in here. Uh, for a couple minutes here left, we got a couple minutes. A number three is calling in, so we got to get number three on here. Number three is always a thorn in Ken Gilliam's side. Always a thorn in his side. Number three, what do you got today? Oh, now don't give me that static all the time. I got some <laughs> friends. Yeah, I got you. Go ahead, you're on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, my bride and I are on our way out to eat tonight, and I just went by the uh, future fire station out there on. Uh, Mormon Cooley Road, I have not seen that grass look that nice in over 60 years. It is a beautiful place. It looks just like a park could be there, but there's no jungle gyms. Well, thanks much. I, I got to give uh, Jay Odegaard and his crew a little bit of help. They're uh, helping us out with some of these did vacant you, lots doing the did mowing. They, so. did they mow that for you, Chief? Yep. I got to give uh, credit to Parks, Rec, and Forestry. They're helping us out with that. And, uh, okay. Yeah, they've been they, uh, that in the state. It looks beautiful. Thank you, number three. Is that all you got? That's all I got. All I'm right. in a good mood tonight. All Enjoy right. your dinner. Yeah, have fun, at, fun eating out. 
All right. So, well, I don't know. It feels like he uh, was praising the parks department there. but well, And it's raining, so it's good, the grass is going to look Yeah, it's green. a good collaboration. They actually helped us out with the uh, Station 4 properties on Gillette, too. They're they're helping us out with uh, some lawn mowing and stuff. So it's, it's city property. I had to go home last weekend i went home so back to greenville and i have to i have to drive by the greenville fire department which i've sent you yeah are any of your fire departments going to look like that where all the doors are like glass and yeah. they leave the lights on all night and i'm always like you know you guys could turn the lights off nobody's in there we'll we'll be environmentally <laughs> sensitive but no yeah it's uh it's actually the same architect group so they're we're going to build some nice buildings as soon as we get going here so. okay yeah those those look cool look up the greenville fire department and that's a volunteer fire department which seems kind of crazy because i think they spent about seven million dollars on the on a building, and to me, I was like, mm, man, if you were, I don't, I don't know, like the 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 weighing of full time volunteer, and then just having such a nice building, but nobody's there unless there's a fire. The good news is they're there if there is a fire, though. Right, there is. Yeah. Um, did, did we cover everything? I feel like we got. I, I wanted to talk it's been about a full day. I I I, I oh I, I do want to talk about this real quick and um, uh, fire. So police have police are having a hard time hiring officers at this point uh there's just like the, the the number of applicants is like from 200 in the past to maybe like 20 yeah we're 30. seeing similar is why why is that do you think uh, yeah police fire and ems paramedics uh we're all seeing similar shortages um where you used to see two three hundred applicants we're seeing 20 or 30 and when you and say it's just, two three hundred wh- when were you seeing two or three hundred applicants oh uh, like 10 years ago yeah, or 10 two years, years ago, ago. Okay. It, it's really started to drop off over the last decade have um, the rules to become a firefighter in the last decade really gone up in the, the, the qualification well, I, I think for yeah I, again for the whole public safety realm I, I think it's been this this constant decline over the last decade and at the same time we're, we're you know kind of constantly being asked to do more the training hours keep increasing and, and a lot of the demands keep increasing uh, so it's kind of it's it's this collision of we're raising the stakes on a lot of the things we need our people to do. And at the same time, we're seeing less and less people willing to commit to that. So it's on the volunteer side as well as the career firefighters. Um, you know, we're having a hard time getting people to apply for our career spots. Um, you can only imagine, you know, people out there asking them to do a part-time or, or for free. So, yeah, my so. friend's a, a part-time fire department, a fire, firefighter, EMS, yeah. whatever, emergency responder, right? Like, but over the river. And uh, we were just, I, I was just asking him about his his what's going on there and man he had just all kinds of issues and it just even from like taking uh american rescue plan act money and then being like man if we spend this money and then the feds say no actually you couldn't spend it that way because they're just uh, you know they're smaller they probably don't have the 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 expertise to dive into the federal rules to spending this money he's like if we spend it wrong then we got to repay it and we don't have the money to repay it yeah, and I think a lot of times those grants come along and it, it solves an initial problem, but then you also have to sustain whatever you get yourself into. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's a long-term commitment to keeping these public safety entities up. Uh, again, um, I'm a little biased, but I'm very proud of La Crosse Police and Fire, you know, our relationship with Tri-State Ambulance. We're, we're delivering great services here. Um, we've got good services and we're still struggling to get good qualified people in the door so as we continue to see that decline uh, we're working with western technical college and a few other groups just looking at ways to increase recruitment and retention and things and you know i think uh it's cyclical so i'm I'm hoping as uh as as people out there listening to us right now there's somebody that's looking for a job and maybe it's a road they'll want to go down so if you want to be a firefighter you, you let's just say you graduate high school 
I don't know. The, the beyond that, like, what's next? A two-year commitment to schooling? yeah. It's uh, every every system's a little different, but you're probably looking at a good year worth of some solid firefighting in EMS classes. Um, you can get that done over a couple of years. It, it really depends on your motivation and where you're at in life. You know, if you're working a full-time job uh, and you're going to college at night, it takes you a little longer. But uh, you can get there, and uh, that that uh, getting your EMT and your paramedic, and then there's a few firefighter certifications that really get you up to where you bring value to an organization like ours and can get your foot in the door. Um, Not that you're desperate for firefighters, but is there ever talk about we want to bring you in? We will pay to train you, and, and we therefore- do a lot of that. Yeah, really, we've got a pretty robust training program the first year, even. But what we're, and what we're seeing is we've got a we've got a list of about 20 people versus 200, and I think the police department's looking at that. Not all 20 of those people are maybe at where we want them to be, and it's not that they won't be a good firefighter, but maybe they're just not ready just yet to work at the caliber we need them at. So it's 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 that experience that they get, you know, in in slower departments or whatever, or how they get educated to 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 rise above the challenges. So right. ultimately, well, we're we're looking for people with good hearts. You know, we also do pretty rigorous background checks, and there's people that just at different points fall off for whatever reason. Yeah, it would be hard to just hey, we're going to train you, we're going to pay to train you. Yeah. You, if you give us a five-year commitment, but then you start training them, you're like, man, you're not cut out for this. So then what? You yeah. Know? If you want to be a cop or a firefighter, but you got felony warrants out when we were in the background check, or you well, can't, <laughs> you can't pass the occupational safety physical because we need you to go from zero to a hundred on a on a foot chase, or you know, doing what firefighters do, running up flights of stairs with a hundred pounds of gear. There's people that want to do that, but they're not physically able to, and that's that's a you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but that starts to whittle down that list pretty quickly. So. That's when you make them building inspectors. Well, which would take a whole other school. Well, they, yeah, no, those are no, a lot kidding. of our building inspectors are, you know, 20 year contractors that are uh, their, their knees and shoulders are a little tired. So we're bringing in a lot of great expertise with people with great occupational knowledge. So those are harder to fill even. All right. That's Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Rick.